British consulate has a great uh -huh. view. The Takao. And also yeah. the Lotus Lake, which has a tiger and dragon pagodas. So lots of great things to do in Kaohsiung. Okay. And is it, uh, thanks is for it all the Lotus other ideas. Lake? Isn't that Liu Yutan? No? Okay. Anyway, oh, I don't know. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Okay. If it is, I'll give you an extra point. I'll look it up. <laughs> that is our uh, brain game for the week. From a fruit market in Tel Aviv to a fish seller in Taipei, the people of our world are working hard to make a living. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? Taiwan sits along the Pacific Rim, and that means one thing, volcanoes. Taiwan counts two active volcanoes, neither of which have erupted in recorded history. But while the risks may be limited, the government is not taking any chances. This year, it's working to set up a volcano alert system that will provide advance warning if either of them should begin to stir. One of the brains behind the project is Xiao Naiqi of the Central Weather Bureau's Seismological Center. He joins us today for an overview of Taiwan's volcanoes and a look at what the government has in mind. Mr. Xiao says that until recently, it was thought that Taiwan had only one active volcano, picturesque Turtle Mountain Island, a nature reserve that sits just off the northeast coast. That view changed around 2010, when researchers realized that the supposedly dormant Da Twin volcano group is not so dormant after all. In 2016, scholars even deduced that the mountains likely sit on top of a magma chamber. This is because earthquake monitoring stations on the slopes of these volcanoes have found that seismic waves from elsewhere sometimes just disappear when they hit the mountains. This is a sign that something liquid, like magma, lies below, because, Mr. Xiao explains, liquid can stop these waves. The current thinking is that this magma chamber lies 30 kilometers below the surface. The Datuan Volcano Group is a cluster of 20 or so volcanoes that hasn't erupted in 6,000 to 7,000 years. And Mr. Xiao says that experts don't think there's an especially high risk of eruption anytime soon. But the Volcano Group sits right on the edge of Taipei, meaning that any activity at all could have destructive consequences. The government officially reclassified the volcano group as active in 2019, and this was when the idea for an early warning project arose. Predicting volcanic eruptions does pose some important challenges. One challenge these two volcanoes in particular pose is that we don't have any real records of their past eruptions. This is nice for those of us who live here. Compared with neighbors like Japan and the Philippines, Taiwan is relatively safe where volcanoes are concerned. 
Still, Mr. Xiao says, we don't have anything from the past to help us imagine what a future eruption might look like. But challenges like these aren't insurmountable. In fact, when compared with earthquake prediction, the other thing that Mr. Xiao's seismological center works on, predicting volcanic eruptions suddenly doesn't look quite so tricky. While there are examples of volcanoes in places like Japan suddenly acting up without warning, generally, Mr. Xiao says, volcanoes at least have the courtesy to give us some signs that they are about to awaken. For example, he says, when magma from below starts moving up towards the surface, the surface itself might deform and its temperature rise. There are other signs too, like increased earthquake activity and chemical changes in the makeup of the gases the volcanoes emit. And if you have the right equipment, you can detect changes like these. Fortunately, Taiwan already has just the right equipment on hand. First, there are the resources of the Central Weather Bureau itself. For instance, there's a whole range of earthquake stations across Taiwan, and there are GPS stations at the ready too. Then there are outside sources of data that Mr. Xiao says the Central Weather Bureau will also use when analyzing what the two volcanoes are up to. One is the government's Central Geological Survey, which can provide useful information that earthquake stations and GPS might not pick up. When watching volcanoes for signs of life, though, it's hard to beat an up-close view. That's where another institution, the Taiwan Volcano Observatory, comes in. This observatory was set up among the Datuan volcanoes themselves back in 2011. It takes a range of real-time measurements that give a clear picture of current conditions. Mr. Xiao says the Central Weather Bureau will take data from all these sources and analyze them together so that its view of volcanic risks is as complete and up-to-date as possible. What will people like Mr. Xiao do with all that information once they have it? The plan is to set up a three-tiered warning scale for the volcanoes, and this data will help determine how high on the scale the warnings will be. If nothing much is happening, as should usually be the case, then the warning level stays at the bottom of the scale, which will be color-coded green. If big changes in earthquake activity or the other factors we just mentioned start showing up, then the warning will be raised to level orange, the next level in the scale. At this point, a special task force will meet and decide whether it thinks an eruption is likely. If the answer is yes, then the alert level will be raised to its highest and most serious tier, red. Who will be on this task force? There will, of course, be experts and scholars, but there also needs to be people who can put emergency measures in effect on the ground. Mr. Xiao says that's why the task force will also include government officials and representatives of the emergency services in the four counties and cities that Taiwan's volcanoes threaten. In the case of Turtle Mountain Island, that means Ilan County. And then there will also be Taipei, New Taipei, and Keelung, the three cities that sit in the shadow of the Datuan Volcano Group. 
火山的喷发的讯息，我们也会规划透过这个系统来对民众来发布讯息哦。我们会预计。Of course, alerts are of little use if people don't know about them. The other idea is to use the same emergency alert system that sends out text message warnings before earthquakes or tsunamis to warn about dangers from volcanoes too. Again, Mr. Xiao says that all of this should be up and running by the end of the year. 是有机会可以去预估脱它会喷发，所以它是比较有机会，而且时间会比较多。例如说，搞不好会有一个礼拜、两个礼拜，或是更长的时间，就会有一些讯息。Again, fortunately, volcanoes tend to give early warning signs, and so unlike earthquakes, which can leave the alert system with just seconds to send out a text, Mr. Xiao says that volcanoes might provide advanced warning of one to two weeks before an eruption. And again, we should stress that it's unlikely the alert system will have to be put to much use in our lifetimes, or even well after. 一些学者的意见呢，就是说它其实目前它喷发的机会并不大，只不过因为它在几千年前有喷发的记录，然后它又离都会区这么近。Experts don't think there's any imminent danger, but for those who live around them, volcanoes are always present, if only in the background of our lives. Once you know there's a volcano next door, it always lingers, even if just in the back of your mind. And as I've heard more than a few people here say, we're living in a year that's reminded us that unlikely does not mean impossible. So it's good to know that we have experts watching for signs that these volcanoes might be getting ready to come to life once more. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. When summer arrives in Taiwan, it brings with it this penetrating heat, a thick humidity that you could almost cut with a knife, and of course the mosquitoes. And there are certain sounds that you hear in the distance, and know for sure that summer is on the way. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, I bring you the sound of early summer, which arrived on my front doorstep this morning. 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵 ，an ear to the ground. This morning, I was awakened by this distant buzzing sound. You know, something like a, a swarm of bees, except much louder than that. In fact, loud enough to bounce off the walls of the buildings that line the nearby alleys and streets, and reverberate throughout the neighborhood. 
Is that a lawnmower, I thought to myself? But how could that be? There aren't any lawns in my neighborhood. The closest thing is a bunch of soccer fields at the nearby junior high school. But that's a fair ways away. And besides, they don't usually do that when the kids are in school. And yes, I was still in bed this morning when class started. And then I remembered the announcement that I heard throughout the neighborhood speaker system yesterday. It started off with a little tonal thing. Boop, 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 boop. And then somebody announced that the annual fumigation would have to be delayed because it had rained and the ground was wet. Boop, 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 boop. And that meant that they'd be coming today instead. All I can say is it's a good thing that they came when they did, though, because if they had waited any longer, they would have encountered thunder and lightning, sort of like I did when I was trying to leave the house on my scooter on my way to work. Now, while I've heard the fumigators before in Taiwan, I was a little surprised to see them this year. I remember as a child growing up in the Midwest in the United States, they would actually send a truck around that would spew this thick smoke throughout the neighborhood. At the time, we lived in the tiny town of Goshen, Indiana, and there were only a couple thousand people there. And in fact, there were just three subdivisions full of houses that were really spread out, which is to be expected in the countryside. And it was as flat as flat can be. So you could actually see the truck and hear it coming from far, far away. As soon as we saw it, we'd run screaming into the house. I couldn't have been more than four or five years old at the time, and certainly it would have been a very apocalyptic sight, sort of like an extraterrestrial invasion, perhaps. The guys that came through my neighborhood this morning were carrying these long, shiny tubes slung over one shoulder. They looked like guns from some sort of sci-fi movie, and they were walking quickly down the alleys, aiming it at all the cracks in the bases of the building. Now, these guys were pretty fearless, too. They weren't even wearing face masks. I can't imagine that's got to be very good for you. So what were they fumigating for? Well, chances are good that they were going after the mosquitoes. This year, it seems as though we've seen more than we saw all of last summer. I guess it must come in cycles. And mosquitoes in a subtropical country can be bad news. They bring with them dengue fever sometimes, and in some countries, they even transmit malaria. But fortunately, that's not a major concern here in Taiwan. So while I didn't go screaming indoors like I did as a kid, I did head back inside when the plume of smoke was sprayed at my building. Although a hit of it probably wouldn't have been a big deal. After all, the birds in the cages on the first floor continued to chirp away after getting doused in it. Hmm. Or maybe they were getting disinfected because of the avian flu. At any rate, I'm bracing for summer here in Taiwan and ready to see what more sounds the hot weather will bring. With an ear to the ground... I'm Andrew Ryan.
Ellen, pull yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast, and this is Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan. How are you doing, Ellen Chu? I'm doing just fine. My kids just started school, and woo, my vacation is starting. I can't believe that school is back already. It's only like like early August. But we've been out since mid-May. Mid-May. Okay, oh. May 15th is the exact date, and you know, this has been three months, <laughs> three whole months. Okay. It's it's a, been a longer vacation than usual. Yes. But, you know, most of the parents that, you know, I talked to in the beginning of the school day, you know, they told me that they've been spending time traveling around Taiwan, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different and interesting than as in the past, because usually people would plan a trip to go Japan or the States or Europe, you know, for the long vacation. But this year, people really stopped and, you know, start traveling around Taiwan and realized that Taiwan is so beautiful. You know, it's funny. A couple of weeks ago, I tweeted out that 2020 is going to be the year that Taiwan rediscovered itself. I think so, too. And people, you know, actually, because they can't go abroad and they are, you know, seeing the most beautiful sceneries in Taiwan, which a lot of the local Taiwanese never really spent time enjoying. You've actually been on a couple of vacations, right? You've seen yes. some things. Were you surprised? I went surprised? to Hualien and, you know, the Taroko Gorge. The last time I was there was when I was 10 years old. Wow. Wow. So, you know, it was a very interesting trip because, you know, looking at the nature, even though I've been there, maybe because, you know, nature changes throughout the years too. So the scenery is quite different. It's just kind of like, you know, looking at the natural art pieces. Mm. And you know, I love it. It's so beautiful. So it's more beautiful than you remembered it being. It's more beautiful. I wonder, you know, what is part of that also just psychological because we've elevated domestic tourism to another level because we can't go overseas? No, because I think, you know, we do have some nice resorts, Mm -hmm. which has been, you know, running for many, many years. It's just that we never really took the time to actually take a trip there. And because of this incident of COVID-19 that, you know, we have to plan trips around Taiwan, and you started to realize that, okay, taking a train, you know, going to Puyuma, uh, all the way to Hualien, and then you're willing to spend the train ride and also, you know, drive around, rent a car, you know, go around. And it's amazing. Do you think, uh, like in the past, I know that people didn't go on vacation because it was almost cheaper in a way to go overseas. You only paid just a little bit extra, and then but you are actually going overseas. Yes, it's it's actually you know the price wise, I think it's worth it mm. because you know the quality of travel is is not as bad you know as you think. 
Mm. I think it's worth it. The CP value, I think it's it's very up to par. Do you, so do you think in the future after we can go overseas, of course we're going to go overseas again, but mm-hmm. like, do you think that you would still take some time to go and see places in Taiwan? I think so. I mean, like spring break, if we have a shorter break, you know, I think I would plan trips, you know, for our kids to go around Taiwan. So like, you know, this year we also went to Zhunan, which mm-hmm. is the south of Xinzhu. And there are these small beach areas where you can surf. It's amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, they have surfing facilities and they have like the greatest surfing coach there. And the waves are quite nice Mm -hmm. for kids. And, you know, the surfing coach are not there just for business. Mm. They're actually teaching our kids, you know, how to respect the nature. Mm. And also, you know, after classes, we will be going along the beach to clean. I remember you telling us about that. That was really, yeah, that right. really opened my eyes because usually we think of the East Coast is where you go to surf. You don't think right. of the West Coast. And uh, basically after we do the cleaning of the beach, you know, the, the coach actually took the kids inside into the classroom and started to ask the kids to do some creative artwork. Wow. Whatever you picked out, you know, from the beach, try to make it into some art piece a unique art piece that you can use in your house. That's amazing. I know. You wanted to hire him for your bushi band, didn't you? Your little yeah, cram school. <laughs> me too. Maybe we'll have like a co-op session next year. <laughs> I love send it. Send my kids SAT and then later on to de-stress, go surfing. <laughs> yeah. Well, in today's views, we actually have a topic that is connected to kids, kind Ooh, of. Okay. Our show is called Food in Disguise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a problem that a lot of parents face. Mm-hmm. How do you make a boring or, well, potentially gross food interesting for kids well sometimes you have to put it in a disguise in order to get your kids to eat it oh okay Let you me have that experience see. i do like vegetable <laughs> i used to have to chop up all the carrot mince it and then i have to like uh like kind of like you know roll it into my meatball patties and then you know make my son eat the meatball patty and eat his veggie because he does not like carrots i remember that no we actually have a list here of the top 10 most disgusting vegetables according to uh web research what they did was they looked at searches that people did and Ooh. the times that uh, people mentioned it in connection with negative words. Okay. So cilantro. Number one. People it, said it has a soapy taste. It has really? like bugs and dirt. Soapy? I think for people who have a certain like, you know, maybe some kind of uh, genetic um, aversion to no, cilantro. No, I think, you know, cilantro, maybe it made them think of the uh, Irish Spring. No. <laughs> well, I think so, yes. Right? For some people, when they taste it, that's what it tastes like. Really? Yeah, we we think it's delicious, I right? I know. And green onion, spicy, yes. Mm-hmm. Cucumber, you know, grassy. You know who doesn't like cucumbers? Mr. Good. Conrad. Oh, <laughs> Uh, also, eggplant. Uh, people plant. don't like the texture of it, kind of like, like mucus. mucus. And then tomato, soft, squishy, and fishy. Yeah, some people get a fishy taste out of tomatoes. I don't weird. know why. Well, I don't Sup- know. A lot of In people their are weird. Tongue, yeah. <laughs> onion, spicy, okay. I'm not a fan of onions. I love onions. That's my least favorite on this list, I think. Okay. The green onion or the American onion? I like green onions. Okay. But American, like big round. I love it. I can eat it raw. Carol. Mm -hmm. Muddy root flavor. 
Also, bitter melon, of course, people find it very bitter. You know, when I was younger, I really hate bitter melon. But now as I grow up, I like it. I think that happens. I like it more now than I did mm-hmm. 20 years ago, too. Green pepper. Mm. I love green pepper, though. I, I love it, too. And then garlic. on the bottom of our list, garlic, yeah. Spicy, stinky. I love all these, Han. I would eat all these. I would mm-hmm. probably cook the onions. That's the only okay. thing. Yes. All right. So in today's show, we're going to actually be talking about one of these, uh, number four on our list, eggplants. Mm. And uh, we're going to tell you, uh, I'm actually going to tell you about a trip I took to in a tile tribe village last weekend. And I learned a clever trick that they use there to make eggplants more mm. palatable for college kids and the local students. Wow. All right, let's have a look at our menu. Today, in our first course, Andrew tells us about the village of Nalu and how he traveled there last weekend to host a concert. That's right. In our second course, a look at eggplants, a surplus veggie that's grown right near the village, and what they do to disguise it and turn it into a treat. And in our third and final course, we'll be sampling that treat right here in our studio. That's right. We're going to start off with a song. This is by Landy Wenlan. She's actually from the Atayal tribe, mm-hmm. from a place called Mali Guan, Guang. Mm. <laughs> I said it like, like the people in the village probably say it, uh, which is about 20 kilometers from Nalo. It's also in Jianshi Township, oh. uh, which is in Qingzhou, mm-hmm. northern Taiwan. Uh, and this song actually has some uh, indigenous elements in it. You can hear that in the song. It's called Biao Zhu Ai. So what is that? Biao Zhu Ai. That means like to... Make a note of love? Yeah. <laughs> a little footnote? A little footnote. I like love it. it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's have a listen. We'll be back in a moment with our first course. <laughs> You hear in that first song at the very beginning, she says, Aisa. Basically, it's like kind of like an exclamation, and it's oh. across all the indigenous people in Taiwan. So if I saw you and you look beautiful today, I'd be like, Aisa. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you can say it to me too. I'd be Aisa. okay. <laughs> okay. It. 
So I went to Nalua last weekend. I tried to go there um, several times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I met uh, the people in Nalua about 10 years ago. And in particular, my friend Yao Basan. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is an amazing person. She um, herself, she has a disability, so she's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. But she actually, so many of the important things that happen in Nalua go through her hands and mm-hmm. through her house. Mm-hmm. So she has a little um, school for kids that they, they take the kids in after school and they teach them um, and they help them do their homework. Oh. And then they get students from Jiao Da, so National uh Tong University, which is in Shinju, to come up and to teach the kids and to help out with um, the village and things that need it's to be done. kind of like my academy. <laughs> is it? Do you do that too? Yes. Actually, we teach our kids that's in the local township area. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Very nice. And so then uh, what she does also is um, she helps the farmers sell all their veggies to other mm. parts of Taiwan. Okay. Um, and then she also does special groups for people with disabilities and who have illnesses, mm. uh, especially terminal illnesses. So she's doing like constantly running events from mm-hmm. her house. Mm. But what's amazing is she very rarely leaves her house. Wow. So she usually sits. She has a little table set up in front of her front door. Mm-hmm. And she kind of sits there in her wheelchair right in front of her door. And people just kind of come and like meet her and talk to her. And she is an amazing person. I've discovered that whenever I go there and I just like talk about stuff, mm-hmm. she kind of like when I'm sitting there, I come to all these realizations about my own life Mm. she doesn't even really like have to really say anything or like analyze it for me it's more like one of those things where you meet a person and you feel comfortable telling them things and then she's very kind of slow and measured in her responses so therapeutic okay so i should i think someday i should bring you up there and we can just sit there at her table and kind of chat and yeah and if you see if you can imagine where she sits she looks out over this valley Mm. And right beneath her house, if you look down immediately in front of her house, is an elementary school. It's Jinping Guoxiao. And you can see the running track. Mm -hmm. And it looks like it's just kind of in the middle of the valley. But then across on the other side of the valley are all these beautiful mountains. Amazing. And it's just so stunning, so Mm -hmm. stark, the contrast Mm. um, and the colors and kind of like... Have you seen the movie about the class, uh, the school, the elementary school in Tibet? No, I haven't. Uh, that is a movie. You know, the way you describe it. Sounds like the same place, right? Sounds like the same place. <laughs> you know, it's like the farthest school, you know, elementary school in Tibet. And then they made a film, you know, a teacher was sent there, a young teacher. He had to travel like six days mm. from the bus stop to reach that school. You know, he was climbing over a mountain and another mountain and he went there. He was almost dying, you know. And <laughs> as soon as he reached there, he's like, I'm going to go home. I can't stay here and teach. He's like, I've had it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, while he was waiting to be transported back, he fell in love. Mm. because you know where the school was setting you know around the mountain the valley and the people there it's it's i I know it sounds crazy because i don't live there but for me it's a very magical place Mm -hmm. so i know that you know for a lot of people it is just where they live um but for people who don't live there when you go there there's something about like being away from the city Mm -hmm. and being in a place that's so incredibly beautiful Mm -hmm. In fact, I think it's so beautiful that the people that live there don't even realize how mm. incredible it is. Right. 
So, you know, I think sometimes it's the nature mm. that has the magical power to attract you. You know, you can actually exchange whatever lifestyle you have mm. in a modern city to mm. go there. Absolutely. Right. I would like to actually go there and stay there for longer、okay. and just kind of like detox. <laughs> I think so. Let my city brain like turn off yeah, for a couple days. Yeah, host your radio show up there. Ooh. Ooh. That sounds good, except、okay. I kind of want to just not do anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, anyway, I went there last weekend. They had a big concert.、Um, and then all the people from the village performed, they danced,、mm. they sang. And they're trying to turn it into kind of like an annual event.、Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for them, For a lot of tribes in Taiwan, they have like their annual festival.、Mm. And so it's kind of a great opportunity for people to come together.、Mm-hmm. But for their festival, it's more like it's much more secretive and it's at nighttime and it's by family.、Mm. So it's not really a big event which like gets people to come from far away.、Mm-hmm. So they're trying to do that with this concert so that it's、okay. actually a great opportunity for people to really come together and, and kind of build up the. I guess the centrifugal force in this、mm-hmm. village to bring people back. Nice. So, yeah. And so she has me host it. I did it last year. I did it again this year. Okay.、Um, and one thing that I did was I learned how they're using eggplants because they grow eggplants right、Ooh. in the village. Okay. And so when we come back in the second course, we're going to tell you,、um, we're going to hear from my friend Yao Basan、okay. and from her Indonesian caretaker, Hana. Uh-huh. Who invented this dish? Wow. And we're going to go into the kitchen and find out how they make it.、Mm. All right. So I want to play、uh, one of the songs from the concert.、Mm-hmm. This is actually a live recording of it that I made.、Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the theme song from an indigenous movie called Lokalaki,、um, which is about a group of real kids that live、mm-hmm. in a village. And they got just like everyday kids to be actors. And、uh, it's called.、Uh, So, love doesn't need to be said, said. out loud.、Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie,、uh, it's a great movie if you get the chance to see it.、Um, but let's have a listen. This is the actual the woman who sang the song on the soundtrack. She's from Nalo. Okay. And her name is Lin Yi Han. All、so、right. Let's have a listen. We'll be back in a moment when the feast continues. <laughs>
listening to Feast Meets West. Second course. Today in our second course, I want to rewind to last weekend when I visited the Atayal tribe village of Nalua. The evening when I arrived, they were busy making something in the kitchen, and my friend Yahoo Basan's house was full of the fragrant smells of deep frying. And she told me that they'd invented a new dish with the long, thin, purple eggplants that are grown near their village. There are a lot of ways to cook eggplants, she says. It's not a particularly special vegetable, but they have a lot of them at this time of the year. And they send them to buyers throughout Taiwan. They keep some of the less perfect ones that they cannot sell. And Yao tells me that she doesn't want to waste them, so they feed them to the college kids that come to help the kids in the village with their homework. Neither the kids in the village nor the college students like to eat eggplants plain. They're usually eaten steamed with green onions, garlic, etc. They're pretty flavorful, but they're not quite to people's liking. Yahoo says if you want the kids to eat them, you have to experiment and create something new. Mm. Yahoo tells me that they shouldn't be picky. They should be eating what they feed them, but that's not always so easy. Sometimes it's tough for them to finish everything, and she says there are always leftovers. Eggplants are one of the things that they don't exactly love. So what are they doing to make sure that nothing is wasted? Well, they've decided to deep fry them. Mm. Yahoo says that you have to add a flavor to make them more delicious. So they add salt, black pepper, and black sesame seeds to the batter. Now, I head into the kitchen to look for Hana, who is the Indonesian caretaker who helps Yahoo. Yahoo is usually busy helping other people, doing things like running an after-school program for kids, helping the farmers sell their veggies throughout Taiwan, but she actually also needs help herself. She has a disability and uses a wheelchair, so Hana actually helps out doing a lot of things around the house, like cooking. So I venture into the kitchen to ask Hana what she's doing to the eggplants, and she says she's deep frying them. I ask her what's in the batter. Flour. Black sesame seeds. Salt. And one egg. Just one egg for a whole lot of flour, which makes it a nice thick batter. Now all it takes is about five minutes of deep frying in the vegetable oil to turn them golden. She tells me she came up with the recipe herself. But when I asked for a name, she's stuck. Just call them eggplants, she says. How about smiling eggplants, I suggest. That's because when people take pictures, they sometimes say eggplants or chiz here in Taiwan, sort of like we say cheese to get people to smile. How many people are they feeding today? One of the college students says 20 to 30 people. And are they good, I ask? Yep, she says they're delicious. Now we just need to work on a name. Yahoo tells me that this is not the first eggplant dish they've invented. They've also used them as a filling for dumplings. They called that one Zhongshen, which uses the word eggplant in Chinese as a play on words to say, certainly, we'll be together forever.
My friend Yao Wu has lots of clever and romantic names for her culinary inventions. She tells me they got the inspiration for the dumpling name from the young couple that grows the eggplants and a wish for the future of their family. She says the couple works hard together in the fields. The eggplant harvest comes in July and August every year, and they grow so fast that it's a struggle to pick them all in time. Yahoo says the eggplants that are grown here in Naloa are really delicious. They range from a deep purple to pale purple, almost whitish, and people rave about them. Like all of Yahoo and Hana's culinary creations, this one needs a special name, and eventually, we come up with this. Now, those names can either mean eggplant sticks or eggplants that are great or eggplant boom boom. Later on, we settle on an even better name, but that's coming up in our third course when we taste this creation together with Ellen in the studio. But first, a song that's related to the initial name that we came up with for the dish. It's called Liga Bom Bom, Bring On the Boom Boom. It's by Joe E911, featuring Chen Jiahua. Much more to come when the feast continues. Welcome to our second course. We're going to talk about this delicacy you brought back. It's really the third course, but you know, time flies when you're having fun, mm, right? Okay. Ooh, and Ellen Chu is biting yeah. into a deep-fried eggplant stick like a bonbon. Yeah, and it has <sighs> sesame in it. Yeah. What do you so, think? It's good. Actually, you know the chipping that my my mother-in-law makes. Mm. She wraps the uh, she wraps the eggplant into meat with meat really? and then deep fry it. Oh, how's that? Tell that's, me all about that. That's good. Mm. It's yummy. So it's not just vegetarian. Mm-hmm. It has meat to it. Mm. Mm. So I have to apologize. These are actually oven baked and frozen and oven baked. That's why it's still cold inside halfway. A little bit not quite there. Mm-hmm. 
But um, when I did it at home, mm-hmm. I, I have a really hot oven at home mm-hmm. and it makes the outside really crispy. Mm. So you can actually use an oven to to bring them back mm. and like make them very flavorful and nutty tasting and, and revive crunchy them? and revive them. Oh, but it's good. Mm. I can imagine that, you know, if we have like, you know, if it's just deep fried oh. out of the wok. Straight out of the deep fryer or the wok. It's mm-hmm. just, it's so delicious. It's and crispy. It's, it seems like you didn't have to add anything like salt or pepper or anything. They just put a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. Mm-hmm. But actually when they eat them, they will like... Dip put it a, into... The, the salt and pepper mixture. Yeah. Oh, okay. They put no a little wonder. pile of it and you just like dunk yummy, it in there. Yummy, 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 yummy. But I think this could work well with like vinegar. Like you mm. know how they do... Um, like uh, french fries with vinegar right and also you know i think it's like soy sauce with garlic mm. chopped into it yummy mm. ellen yeah. chew mm. now i'm thinking mm. of all the possibilities it's just great so you know what they decided to go with for a name for this what is it called they call it oh <laughs> it's nice so it could mean like deep Cheating, fried right? and, and it could mean a slice of it but it could also mean like Cheating, yeah, right. exactly. Like, is a bunch well, of scammers. It, exactly. You can fool people in saying that this is like a deep fried fry. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just like a deep fried potato skin or something like that. But yeah. inside it's eggplant. You can call them eggplant fries. Right. Or like uh, Taiwan fries. I know. <laughs> Nalo fries. Nalo fries. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. There you go. There uh-huh. you have it. All right, so that's our show about disguising, doing big disguise. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to tell you if you have uh, any thoughts or comments, do send us a letter. Mm-hmm. You can actually try it yourself, you know, since, you know, a lot of people are staying home more. Yes, try it. yes. Okay. So our address is P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. And email us at A-N-D-R-O-O at rti.org.tw. Next Saturday on The Feast, join us for a Taiwan-inspired Virgin Bloody Mary. Yeah, we had the idea several shows ahead, That's right? That's right, and we're going to be doing it next week. All right, and we're going to have a final song. It's called Disguise Way Drunk. Mm-hmm. And the artist is... And Taipei. All right. Yeah. And Taipei. <laughs> For peace, who says I'm Andrew Ryan? And this is Ellen. <laughs> and Ellen. And okay. Rue. Okay. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Mansa 你心里知道
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. <laughs> 